0: Hey guys, this is Frederick from Reforia and you're watching CMS TV.
1: What is going on, everybody? Welcome back to another edition of Chris Aiken Presents. I, of course, am Chris Aiken back after taking over Las Vegas. That dude right there, Mr. Eric Ferentinos. Eric, how are you, brother?
0: Doing great, man. Survive the Vegas weekend with the Stephen Piercy band. I got to admit,
1: I'm surprised you're here. I figured, you know, that whole what what happens in Vegas stays in Vegas. I figured you might stay an extra day and do a little, um, little stuff that you wouldn't be able to talk about.
0: Right. Uh, no, uh, we just, just, you know, got up and left. I mean, I know from playing in Vegas before, just going to Vegas, typically on a Sunday, if you don't get out of there real early, it's going to take a long time to get right. back. Just going out there, I went uh, with my lady Susan on Friday. We drove out. We left at like, I think, eight or nine in the morning. It took about six hours to get okay. out there. Now, we did, I'm happy to report, get back home in like four hours just from leaving early. But I think that was only due to the fact it was a three-day weekend, and most people are staying the extra day. So, there wasn't nearly the traffic going back. Right. On Sunday. So, we and- made it up.
1: And you might have got lucky, I don't know this to be true, but you might have got lucky that there were a lot less people in Vegas this weekend because the weekend before was the Super Bowl where it was overloaded with people. And now everybody's had their trip and they've left. Mm -hmm. Yes?
0: (laughs) Yes. Yeah, I'd agree with that. Uh, But definitely thankful because, you know, if you were going to have a long drive, it's almost better to have it on the way out than the way back because when you're tired from a weekend, you don't want to have it take twice as long. It's so aggravating. But uh, we got lucky there. Uh, made it back by like 3 in the afternoon and was able to get some rest. So you're getting the 100% Eric today.
1: Woo. There you go. <laughs> <laughs> the wound up one. Well, I won't ask you how your gigs were because I'm assuming if they were bad, you would have told me. But um, how was Night Ranger? Was that – was? do they draw – I don't even know. What does Night Ranger draw these – I mean, I like them. I'm, I'm a fan, but I do they draw like a lot?
0: Um they uh I think they do. I mean Night Ranger is like a very professional band that's got a whole team of people and they play all over the country all the time, you know. Uh similar Mm -hmm. to Slaughter and you know, other bands that just have it down and they've never let their fans down for you know decade after decade. They're out there. Um they look great. Um Jack Blades, I talked to him for a little bit. We both had heart issues right yeah uh you know he's doing great i'm doing great um they're always the same night rangers one of those bands you can count on that their personalities are always going to be consistent right and they always really put uh, so much into their shows all the time like i hope when i'm in another 20 years still out there playing <laughs> and still running around like jack blades let me tell you
1: hell yeah well i know i saw them the the last time i've seen them like 10 times I mean going all the way back to you know Dawn Patrol I, I did see them on the Dawn Patrol tour so I'm old but um mm-hmm. I saw them last I don't know maybe it was pre-pandemic so it's been a little while now it's probably mm-hmm. six seven years ago but they kick at. they still sound like the records that's what always amazed me about them live is for a band that is kind of a studio sounding band you know their songs mm-hmm. definitely sound studio not live Right. They really do bring that sound live. You know, the they same do. exact
0: sound. It's great. They they have a keyboard player mm-hmm. they bring. I mean, everything's live. From what I can tell and seen with sound checks, there's nothing not live there. I mean, you have right. two fantastic singers in the band, the drummer and the singer and the uh, and Jack Blades both throw down and they have some really I mean, it's not that they have a hundred hits, but the, you know, the ones they have are so huge. And then they oh, still yeah. like, they do some damn Yankee stuff, uh, sure. Also during the show, so it's it's pretty awesome, man. And I was thinking actually, like when when I first heard these songs, which would have been I don't know around like nineteen eighty two or three or something like that. Sure, you know I was in little league. You know I was like, right. <laughs> t- you know eleven years old, twelve years old. I remember, uh, you know, buying the big league chew gum. Remember big league chew? Oh yeah,
1: yeah, the, the shredded gum.
0: Shredded gum. I'd like, I like. I would. go to the little the little, little League place, the the little hut where they'd sell some like concessions at the Little League right. place. They'd get me some big league chew, and that's those songs were on. You could still rock in America. Yeah. Oh yeah, it was like the '80s. It was just so right. cool. Even as a, even as a kid, we're not enjoying the excesses of the '80s. Just being a young kid, everything about the '80s was awesome. The video games, the music, the fashion, uh, it, it, great memories. But just to take it back to today being that little kid you know listening to those songs on the radio and then here i am as an adult you know just talking with jack blades backstage you know no big no you know
1: i know dude, with- it's it, it's always fun when that happens too is it when you're just hanging out and you're like holy shit this is a guy that i like you know camped out to see or whatever <laughs>
0: you know it's yeah I, would, I, I wouldn't go that far with, with night Raiders well not with night together. ranger
1: necessarily. i'm just saying in general Right. <laughs> I camped out to see you, Jack Blades. I've been waiting for you.
0: Mm-hmm. He's all well, freaked
1: dude, out. Dude, I actually have a Night Ranger story uh, that was, is very influential in my life. It's one... Believe it or not, Night Ranger is one of the reasons that we get to do Chris Aiken Presents now. Bel- and I'll tell you the story. You're, you're going to fucking not believe this, but it's, it's crazy. So... When I was in high school, was when Night Ranger was at their pinnacle. You know, my my high school years were eighty two to eighty six, mm-hmm. or eighty three to eighty six, whatever that translates out to be. But eighty six was the graduation graduated year, and I didn't fail. So whatever that is, eighty three to eighty six. Yeah, obviously that's Night Ranger's top time. You know, that's that's uh, you know um, Sister Christian and Midnight Madness and. um you know, Night Ranger and uh, Still Rockin' America, all those songs, Four in the Morning, um, Seven Wishes, you know, all the all their biggest hits were in that time frame, right? So as a, my junior year of high school, so this would have been 85, I was the program director on our high school radio station, which is conveniently WSTB, where Neely also got his start. Okay. And I was the program director on the station. And... You know, at that point, they were just trying to teach us what to do. So it was literally, it was literally, okay, come in, sign the log, make sure that everybody's playing the songs they're supposed to be playing. There was no real producing going on. It was, it was just kind of get your feet wet type of a, type of a gig, right? Right. Not for me, I had to be way out of my league with it and I had determined that I wanted to do an interview with a famous band and the band that I picked was Night Ranger mm. so as a 15 year old kid I made phone calls I I I well really at that point all you did was made phone calls you know there was no there was no other way to do it but by luck my mom my mom she was a banker and One of her clients was a guy named Barry Gable, who kind of ran Belkin Productions, which was the biggest promotional company. They got swallowed up by Live Nation a zillion years ago, but they were the big, big, big. Like, if you go and you look up any Cleveland shows from, like, the 60s to the 80s, any flyer you'll see is a Belkin production. You know, they all say that because Belkin was the guy, Michael and Jules Belkin. And Barry Gable was their guy, so conveniently I worked it out with my mom. My mom called, asked Barry Gable if they could help me. They did, and for the first time ever in WSTV history, we had a famous band call in to interview, and that is also the very first interview that I ever did as a as a person was uh, Jack Blades from Night Ranger.
0: Oh my goodness.
1: Called by cool, high school. <laughs> how how crazy is that? That's why I was like, Yeah, I got a Night Ranger story. <laughs> so what did they do? They're like, hey Chris, it's Jack Blades calling, yeah man. It, it really was. They were calling from um just before sound check. It was like at two o'clock in the afternoon, and he was at the at the venue, and I was I still have I wish I would have thought of this. I would have had the tape here to play cuz it's really bad. It's everything oh, you that you have the recordings. Oh yeah, I have it. Oh yeah, it's my first ever interview, dude. And and it's so bad. It's it's quite honestly, it's everything that me and Neely goof on on the on the CMS. It's a oh, what's it like to be in Nashville or whatever wherever they were. <laughs> you know, it's so bad. What made it's... you want to play bass? Yeah. And and you could just hear the nervousness in me. I'm like so, Mr. Blades, what do you think? You know, everything was Mr. Blades I, through the whole interview.
0: <laughs> I still get like that now, like uh, D. Snyder. Mr. Snyder. Uh, yeah. uh, dude,
1: you know what? It, it's intimidating when you grew up with them. Right. You know, it's 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 kind of... We were raised in a respect your elders kind of way. Mm-hmm. You and I both. And, and it's hard to shake that. It's right. definitely... It's hard to consider somebody that is your elder and and has had bigger success than anything you'll ever have. It's hard to it's hard to not be overtly respectful and just
0: say, "Hey, D, what's up?" Well, you know, I, let me tell you, when when I first was doing call-ins on the classic metal show, I was yeah. severely nervous. <laughs> like I, I was I would find myself starting to shake my voice starting to shake just doing that because I maybe was thinking about how many people were potentially going to listen or right if, uh, what I was saying mattered or whatever. And, and so I could just imagine being a 10 year old kid. Oh. live on the air where you've never really done much something like that i mean how nerve-wracking that must have been your brain's thinking about too much other shit you know
1: yeah it was it was definitely i i definitely was very 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 nervous you know and um but i but i got through it and i, I mean it's it's not the worst thing i've ever believe me it's not the worst interview i've ever done you know and and that was the first one i'd ever done you know the I I can still tell you the worst one. The worst one? Steven Adler, hands down. Worst interview I've ever ever had. Really? Oh yeah. I um and this isn't even that long ago. This is this is within the last 10 years. Um I That's had an long. interview I had well, I mean it's not but I mean it's not I've been doing interviews for 30 years and it's okay. it's a fairly recent one. It's after it's long after I've done a thousand to learn how to interview. But, um, I was interviewing, I was scheduled to interview Adler. I called him up and he just didn't want to do the interview, he just didn't want to do it. And he, he did like three I, I don't know if he even knew, like his publicist set it up, but I don't think he knew that he had an interview to do. And I called him. And like he answered on his cell phone at, you know, on his way out the door or something. <laughs> and, um, but yeah, I, I, the whole interview is six minutes long and I didn't get anything out. And then he finally, after like four or five minutes, he's like, Oh, I gotta go. I gotta, I gotta go to the doctor. I'll see you later. Mm. <laughs> and it was just like, wah, wah, <laughs> <You> wah. <know? laughs> yeah,
0: all right, everyone. Uh,
1: yeah, thank you for taking a minute, <laughs> Stephen. <laughs> <laughs>
0: Yeah, yeah, there's a level where, I mean, when you're, when you're just still trying to make a name for yourself, you'll take, like me, you'll, you'll take most interviews. You know, I can't mm-hmm. say I've ever turned down an interview, you know what I mean? But once you've reached this iconic stage where that's your everyday life is like 20 people wanting to interview you, sure, you're mm-hmm. gonna be like, I don't care. It's not going to change my life one bit whether I do this interview today or not. You sure. Know?
1: Yeah. I mean, it, and, and dude, I get it because I've done it with my books. You know, when when I've released most of my books, I, I have a publicist, I'll give him a plug, Mazer PR, Mazer Public Relations, they um, they do the publicity for me whenever I release a book, mm-hmm. and um, regularly they put me on, on the book tour, which is, or it's called a radio tour, which you may know the term, but for the people that sure. don't know that term, what they do is they schedule you for several hours, and... You do you do interviews. And for if you do the radio tour, you do every seven minutes is an interview. Like you call in and they do seven minutes on the air and then you have three minutes of turnaround and you got to call the next guy, you know, so it's and, and it goes for like three hours or four hours because it's first East Coast and then West Coast, you know, and it, it kind of all works into their morning show. And I can tell you for a fact, it is terrible. I don't know how guys like Steven that have that. whenever he puts out a record, he has to do you know 150 interviews over two weeks or whatever. That's got to make it right. nuts. Because it's yeah. always dumb questions, and it's always the same questions. So uh, where did you record at? Uh, what's that studio like? Who's your engineer? You know, like, oh.
0: Sometimes these guys can't remember some of that stuff either, the uh, older cats.
1: Yeah, well, I, but it's got to be. I, I can just imagine Stephen getting on on an interview, and then they start asking him questions about thirty five years ago. Right, and he's so far fucking past that. You know, that's that's what these guys. That's what interviewers. And I'm not trying to tell people how to interview anybody. Do what you want to do. But I try my damnedest not to go to old shit. They're on. They they're willing to talk to me because they want to promote whatever thing they're doing right now new right. record, new tour, sure. new whatever. And the last thing Stephen Piercy or Don Dockin or yeah, James yeah. Hetfield or any of these guys want to do is relive your memory My. as the interviewee. That's right. They don't want to they don't want to say I I will guarantee this ask Stephen this if you want proof. Right. He probably gets ready to hang up his phone every time an interviewer says when i saw you back in 19 blah 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 because that's just following up on well i gotta answer a question about some fucking show that i don't remember right 25 years ago you know i guarantee you steven like even with me i saw steven one probably my most my most memorable rat show was this one show where i snuck snuck out of ait advanced training in the military to go see rat it was rat and cheap trick in indiana you know and i told i think i told the story on this show where sure i it wore the
0: goofy clothes and stuff it was an asshole initiation tactics no. <laughs>
1: yeah, right. it could have been because i certainly was an asshole at that point but <laughs> but um <clears throat> i snuck out to the show i you know i i had to buy clothes at a thrift store i told this story before so bottom line is that's the most memorable to me was it was when rat had the the almost like a mirror stage like the stage had like was all mirrored so that the lights were blast any lights that came in different colors would blast out into the crowd it was cool it was a cool show it was a great show it's my most memorable show because i have a thing that happened sure i guarantee you Stephen Piercy does not remember that show in 1986 in wherever Indiana. No, I guarantee. So, so, but how many interviews you do? A bunch of interviews. How many interviews do you get where they're like, "Dude, I saw you in 2015, and you guys were here in right I can't of Wyoming."
0: I have started to get that uh, now that the band, you know, 23 years. Yeah. To get people that I haven't seen he plays since, like, the, you know, 2001 or two, And, and that's fine, though. I mean, you, 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 you want them to be happy. You do appreciate the fans. You just have to kind of humble yourself a little bit and just have fun with it. I mean, they're not expecting you to re- recall it. I, I'm guilty, too, on, like, an interviewer basis, like when we had um, Frank Hannon on. I had to take him back to the sports arena, opening for Def Leppard in the round. Sure. But, I mean, are you going to tell me that that wasn't a great memory for him, too? I mean, it had to have been. Um, maybe it was. Maybe it wasn't. My My thing is, <laughs> here's
1: the difference. That was your doing an interview, like conducting an interview, first yeah. ever, maybe, right. maybe yeah, second. Yeah, yeah. Right. You know, you're going to make mistakes doing it the first or second ever. Sure. Me who's done 10,000 of them, I better not make that mistake. <laughs> if I make that mistake, that's me being a fucking lazy journalist.
0: Right. Okay. And I There's
1: refuse a- to be lazy, you know, right. and it's it's why Neely and I crack on these guys so hard because a lot of these guys if you go to their YouTube page, you'll see 500 interviews. And if I see five hundred interviews and you're asking what's it like to record with blah blah blah, I want to punch you in your fucking throat.
0: Or mention a, a strange band member, which I also guilty yeah. of that because I mentioned Tommy Schio. Tommy Sorry. Schio.
1: Well, Sorry. but that you know what? That's okay. I'll tell you where that's okay. That's okay if the person has said something recently or if they're in a new band but they're playing the current like the the current the main band stuff right so if like skio is out there with bad marriage right now right but and and i only know this because neely went and saw him literally last week and he told me bad marriage is ending with little Susie, the tesla tune so if we had tommy skio on here it would be okay to ask him dude even though you're not in Tesla, you're playing a Tesla track with bad marriage, how did that come about? You know, oh, did sure. you have to talk these guys into that? You know, or or you know, I would aren't you
0: he's, wh- he's you know, just to and I know you're not you're being rhetorical, of course, but yeah, I you know, I have to say uh he's a very iconic guy from the MTV era too. Sure. We all loved and he and he and he's so funny and has a cool personality. And of course we all have those memories you can't have someone Mm -hmm. in your life as this person for 20 or 30 years and pretend that they're not the guy you know oh no my the issue comes when
1: tommy's the and and again this is just an interviewer thing the issue comes and i know this and i know it it makes band guys crazy is if they're calling in to promote bad marriage bad marriage a new band There there are not a lot of people that know about bad marriage you do because you've probably played shows with them i'm assuming and um i do yeah well and and i know them because they have a publicist that that lands in my email box all the time so Mm. when when their publicist was working bad marriage i looked at it and i was like oh tommy scale very cool you know you know i was like okay that's cool but the the casual the casual guy that's sitting 10 rows or further back at the casino that bad marriage is playing does not know bad marriage they don't yeah. know that band at all. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, well that they may and that's that's you're kind of leading into where I wanted to go today. But my thing is if Tommy's doing an interview with you to promote Bad Marriage and 20 of your 30 minutes are spent on Tesla, a band that he hasn't been in in 30 fucking years, you're doing a bad job. That's all. Agreed. Agreed. It should be if you want to go 25 minutes talking about bad marriage how he joined the band how he knew the guys how the chemistry worked you know blah 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 putting it together on this is bad marriage and then the last five minutes you want to say you know dude i really think tesla lost their balls when you came out of the band you know do you agree something like that just to kind of you're not necessarily going all the way back but you're still kind of Making sure people remember this is the guy from Tesla, you know.
0: Right, right.
1: Uh, And and there, there is an art to. Obviously, you're hearing me. There's an art to it. There is a definite. It's not as easy as, oh, look who's on my screen. Let me talk to him.
0: (laughs) Well, and I agree with the uh, with the twenty minute thing for sure. But it does get hard. Like after you know, this a band has their heyday already, and then Mm -hmm. typically what they're doing now isn't very exciting. I mean, of course they want to talk about it, and we sure and. Most times it does get talked about. And part of it comes down to the artist, too. The artist has to have a, a way of kind of letting the interviewer know that they're not going to get that deep into it. They'll give a pretty sure. broad answer. You know, hey, man, it was just a big party back then. I don't really remember. Yeah. And like, oh, Okay. Well, moving on. You know, it's like. Yeah, exactly. And that's cool. Stuff.
1: Yeah. And again, I'm not saying never talk about the past. I'm just saying right. if you're leading with the past and they're doing something in 2024, You're doing it wrong.
0: Now, how did Chris and I handle this? I don't do interviews anymore. (laughs) (laughs) But you didn't want to, so it's like, okay. Yeah, that part's a little goofy. I I love this part, you you and I uh, riffing and just doing funny stuff.
1: Hell yeah, it is fun. keeps me coming back. Hell yeah. Well, dude, we sort of touched on this with bad marriage, but it's a great—it's a great question. It's something that I had that I wanted to talk about today. Um, as you're aware, I love the new stuff. I'm always looking for new bands. I'm always our band today is a band called Rifforia. That I guarantee you, now that I said it, that's the first time that 99 out of every hundred of you watching have heard of that band. I guarantee it. I know it you know but i like them and um and i'm a fan of their their singer nils patrick um johansson who is a um he's also the singer of astral doors another band that probably 88 of every 100 of you do not know but i know this is a this is a definite chris interview today this being said this leads to my question how do we get interest in new music back you're out there on the road eric you you, for the most part, you guys are playing with bands that are established. For the most, most part. There might be a local opener here or there, but for the most part, it's, it's all established acts or tribute acts now. I hear from so many bands that they can't get gigs at all because the no. promoters don't want nothing to do with new original music. Right. So what do you think, man? Is there a way... To get interest in new music back, or
0: are you we know, just doomed? I, I think it's um, it's reminding people to to be to get involved with groups on their social media. I think that helps. You know what I mean? Like get get into a new rock group or a uh, forum or something, or or belong to uh, subscribe to that on Facebook or something like that because they are sharing those things. And then it also comes down to uh, nowadays the newer artists can do a lot for a little for not for not too much cost like i remember back in the day how much it was to actually go into a studio to actually make a product Uh and then to potentially get any airtime or a, a commercial or something these were all really hard things to accomplish where nowadays you can make cool videos with your iphones that Actually, look sure. pretty good. You could put the effort in, you can you can make pretty quality recordings without having to pay all the money. So the bands really have to have their ducks in a row. Give something that looks like it should be signed, you right? Know, take the time to give us something that looks top-notch, and then get on there and people will start sharing it. I think you know, bad marriage does seem to get a lot of traction in my world with all the rock pages that I belong to, yeah. they pop up a lot, but then at the same time, you know uh the fits the guitar player is probably out there too making sure i mean that guy works really hard doing that stuff you know like making sure it's 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 out and about making sure their merch is top notch and ready to go those guys their ducks are in a row Like we've played with them uh in the past and they come off like a a national act right when they play i mean i assumed they were and i still think of them as that and any band trying to break into it better be working as hard as those guys if you expect to get anything or anywhere
1: Mm -hmm. no i agree Um, do you think the old school way matters and and here's what i mean specifically and i'll point to two bands i will continue to point to bad marriage i'll also point to um to my friends over there in plush plush is out there with disturbed you know they're out Mm -hmm. there with disturbed and falling in reverse Disturbed's obviously an iconic band falling in reverse is one of the top well, they're one of the—they're notorious, but they're also one of the top five current bands sure. out there right now. So my question is, and Bad Marriage is out there. You know, I forget who—who who are they touring with now? They're oh, with, um, with Glenn I, Hughes. Glenn Hughes. Okay, mm-hmm. they're with Glenn Hughes and uh, Enough's Enough. So the question I have then is: In the old days, in our day. Damn near every band I I ever latched on to in the 80s came from me seeing them with somebody else, whether it was Y&T opening for Motley Crue. Honestly, I discovered Cheap Trick opening for Rat. You know, as much as Cheap Trick was an older band, it wasn't an older band that I listened to. Uh, Slaughter. I remember seeing Slaughter with Kiss. um, You know, Pick a band, and any of those bands, yeah. I pretty much discovered seeing. Warrant, I saw with Poison. um You know, I discovered all these bands that way. Pay to play
0: almost ruined that. I'm sorry to be kind of no, go ahead, up, jump right? in. But but pay to play kind of screwed that up because there used to be a time where hey, if a band was good enough that they got on the bill, they're worth seeing. Sure. Okay, that was like that for a pretty long time, like through the beginning mm-hmm. of the '80s, maybe, and then towards the end, like when the Hair Band. Error happened, and it was like they were just getting bands together because they looked the part. That's yeah, when that started going south, and then just to get the they'd be paying to play, and then so now here we are today, where say we're playing the whiskey. I would say eighty percent of the people don't even show up till ten o'clock sure. at night or eleven. They don't want to sit through five pay to play bands.
1: Mm-hmm. I, I'm anyway. guilty of that. I'm gu- I'm totally, dude. I am the guy. I will. I'll admit it, and I probably shouldn't, but I will anyway. I'm the guy that calls the venue and asks what time does this band go on. <laughs> and I do that a lot. I do it if I'm going to a show like again, I'll mention Plush. Plush is playing they're they're playing here in June with three other three other local bands. And I don't like any of the the local bands. I but I've okay. at least listened to them. I went out and listened to them to see if I wanted <laughs> to see them. Sure. But but I don't like them. So I guarantee you, I will send a text to Mariah and I will say, what time are you going on? And I will show up 10 minutes before that. Enough mm-hmm. time to get over to the bar, get a beer, get in the room and watch them play. Because I don't want to stand around for four hours listening to bad music. Right. That's just me. And it's exactly what you're saying. In the mm-hmm. old days, forget it. In the old days we used to get to the parking lot i can remember times when i went and saw kiss kiss on the um all night tour whatever album that what was that asylum um i remember going to that show me and this girl michelle carago i remember (laughs) distinctly i remember this show we went to this show we purposely got to the parking lot at six o'clock so that we could drink and we could you know i had snuck in a case of beer in my dad's trunk we drank beer till 7 15 because we knew that the show started at 7 30 and we wanted to see black and blue you know it was it was right. one of those deals we wanted to see the opening band and right. we timed it to see that in today's world we would have timed it to about 8 45 to see kiss come on <laughs>
0: So, yeah, in some cases, I mean, some of the tours it is, I mean, obviously when they're traveling with the band, it's usually a better mm -hmm. quality going through. But the club thing, no, man, that's usually definitely all of them do the same strategy, which is to pay for the the headliner. They have 10 pay-to-play bands that open the show that are terrible. But do you think
1: that it helps those bands? Meaning if, you know, if Bad Marriage is out in front of Glenn Hughes, do they make any fans? Do they sell any merch? Do they you know, especially with merch costs being as much as it right. is now, is is are people going to buy a Bad Marriage t-shirt or are they going to spend the extra 10 bucks and buy a Glenn Hughes t-shirt?
0: <laughs> well, let me tell you this. Bad Marriage has some awesome T-shirts, and I know I didn't expect to talk them up so much today, but had okay. I, I to I have to give them kudos that they that they put so much effort into their presentation. Sure, you know what I mean. If you look at any of their T-shirts, they're amazing. You know what I mean? They're 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 three color. They're like very. They got all those crazy rock graphics uh, going on. So they have good stuff. You know they're going out there to the meet and greets. They're doing everything right right from what i could tell it just comes down to Are do people want to hear this old school rock music right now or not
1: well i would imagine the people that are at that show glenn hughes and enough's enough want to hear old school music my question is still are people going to say well here's a new band here's a new band that's making this kind of music that i liked they may enjoy them for 30 minutes but will they enjoy them enough to remember the name or write it down in their phone uh, or whatever that's my question is can a band break now or is the only way to break now to dominate on social media
0: mm-hmm. that's the well, question it, it does seem like um the social media and that, i think i led in with that that is yeah. a huge part of it to to put your efforts into because that's where everybody's at on their cell phones and on their Facebook and then mm-hmm. they're on their in their subgroups and uh, what have you and it, it branches out. I mean, even Reddit probably has music uh, stuff that people are sharing their. Uh, oh, stuff I get a lot pubs. of stuff from Reddit. Right. Yeah. So it is. They do have to focus. Like I, I've been in Stevens Band for so long. There was a couple times where I tried to get into uh, promoting a little solo gig, and it was pretty tough because a lot of bands are. Trying to do the same thing, spamming mm-hmm. people with their uh, with their stuff. I mean, you have to have a good product to start with if you're going to put all your passion and and your whole self into something. You better make sure that it's pretty quality, and most people that are hearing it think it's good too. Right. Otherwise, you're just going against the wind. Uh, you know, with uh, some crappy band, you're going to put all your efforts in. It's not going to make it. I hate to be pessimistic like that. Sure.
1: Well, it's so tough these days, dude. And, and it's you know. When you look at some of these bands that are that are doing it, some of them don't even play shows. That, like that, I'll point to Nick Nocturnal, the guitar guy. I don't know if you know Nick or not, but Nick is a he's a freaking genius guitar player, but he doesn't even go and play shows. He doesn't need to. He has seven hundred thousand followers on his um right youtube or i forget which platform he has all those followers on but it, but on uh, maybe facebook but you know he has the population of a country yeah. on his social media why would he go out and play for 300 people in front of emory or or one of those one or Muir or one of those bands you know why would he go do that he doesn't need yeah. it he's got a bigger audience than they do
0: absolutely and he's but he's putting in the equal uh amount of time probably too yeah that we absolutely. that we spend on the road and the rigmarole of that whole thing he's putting mm-hmm. those efforts into uh getting his video right and his editing right. and everything he's probably doing at home and it becomes like like i would love to tap into some of that i mean if i was able to like put on shows just out of my bedroom sure <laughs> I have to like get out there and um with all the germs and whatever and sure. g- dragging your stuff around. I mean, it's pretty cool that they can do that. Uh fortunately though, people still do love the live experience, the communal experience of going mm-hmm. out to a live show. That's where I come in.
1: Right? Um, is know, it, and I, is it young people or
0: is it really just old people?
1: Uh um, Do young but, people like concerts? Is my question. We all need
0: my that is a great question. I'm going to say that we all love it that that okay. that is a human thing that we need to be with our people to feel a part of life and and this the the computer screens aren't enough i mean it's nice to keep taps on people but but eventually we got to show up and feel each other's energy and s- smell each other and you know hear each other <laughs> right. spit on each other um these these shows that that we've been doing have been a lot of fun and i've been telling you that 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 they're excited about the out of the cellar it appears sure. to not be an isolated incident okay oh yeah this used mm-hmm. to be every night vegas was like these both nights these crowds were super excited for us to come out and what were their ages i would say uh, median age was probably you know late 40s early 50s right you know so for
1: uh, the people that brought their kids though which i'm sure there were plenty of those too where there are 15 yeah. 16 18 year old kids at the shows are the kids like real into it like i know the old guys the the old guys they're saving up their energy so that they can go crazy when they hear lack of communication or whatever and they fucking lose their shit <laughs> gary glitterson Fuck. was into
0: it well oh that guy i know <laughs> i know that guy and then uh um there was a there was a kid this was really cool um i went out to the merch booth okay, okay and i was selling tickets out there right buying him um must have been a kid. He looked like about maybe 13 years old, and and, and he wanted an Eric Ferentino's pick set, and I signed it cool. for him. So I made a new fan that night. Um, Jim Martinez, he's been taking his kid, okay, uh, James, to the shows. James loves Eric Ferentino's. I'm going to start talking about myself as a third person from now on. Go
1: ahead. Yeah.
0: The brand uh, of Eric Ferentino's. He's a big fan of the brand. <laughs> Susan's <laughs> not enough of my ego. <laughs> uh for this weekend but um anyways uh there are young people that are getting into it i guess i'm not that i, I i'm not too old to not appeal to them you mm-hmm. know what i mean i don't look like uh santa claus or something you know i'm sure you know um so they, I, I am getting some y- younger people uh involved which is great and but the feedback's been great i was um surprised how many people were coming up to me to be honest because i've hid from these people for years sure Okay, and now, just recently, now that I have a product and whatever, I've been going out there. Geez, both nights, I must have taken 100 photos with uh, people each night. So, thank you, everybody, that, that came out. Thanks for being so nice to me. I appreciate it. Sure.
1: Do you think that the younger people, and, and this is strictly related to Stephen, Stephen's band, not just Stephen, but Stephen's band, really more than Stephen. Do you think that a lot of the reasons the young people might be into it is because three members of the band have podcasts you johnny and um yeah i can't deny that Jason. you
0: know what i mean there's there's there that doesn't hurt it does right uh you know jason's obviously not on stage with us but he's still an integral part uh, to where we need to be and everything everything uh sure. working as it should. um and of course uh johnny uh, being on the show yeah we're all kind of have some notoriety at this Mm -hmm. point and then you got matt who was actually the original rat guy before juan you know who actually wrote songs like back for more and morning after when you find that out you're like well shit you know and this i mean they're accepting of this i mean whatever may happen i don't want to you know put the uh the, the carriage before the horse but uh you know, who knows, man? I think people just think of us as rad at this point. You know, so I guess we'll yeah. go with that. And there, there's no disappointments going on uh, when no, they show up. No, absolutely not. They're getting well, a, and, a, a rock show. They're getting a, a legit sure. sweaty rock show, and they love it.
1: Mm-hmm. But I do think the social media thing is important. And, I, and even in Steven's case, Steven is very active himself on social media. Like, he, he
0: posts two, three times a day. He embraces it for sure. Yeah. He's playing his guitar on all the time, you know, he's a yeah. cameo. He he's, he's pictures with his head dog, head.
1: pictures yeah. with his pets, you know, he's all in.
0: He loves it. He if he was a kid today, be in heaven, you know, and he's I mean, right. hey, he he does it the same thing. He is like, you know, a 15-year-old kid uh on the internet, <laughs> you know, he right. hasn't changed. <laughs> <laughs> it's too
1: funny. Well, I but I I do think that that's what that is. I don't want to say it's the only reason, because let's face it, the, the main reason that, that the band that you're in is doing so much business is 35 wonderfully great songs,
0: you know, oh that every yeah. single
1: person knows. But right. um,
0: and but I, grateful I do think every time we play for that, that the, the work that sure. they did and to get to go sure. out and play that many hits is, is a blessing. I wasn't there when they were written, so I have to be. yeah humble and thankful to be able to go out and do it for sure
1: but let's be let's be really honest here if you choose to be i'll be really honest in my assessment you tell me if you if you agree this band would not be as successful if you guys were hermits other than when you showed up on stage if if you weren't doing the podcast if jason and johnny weren't doing their podcast if steven never posted on social media If there was never, if the only presence anybody ever saw of the Stephen Piercy band was a note on Blabbermouth that Stephen is suing this guy or this guy is suing that guy or Juan and Bobby don't get along. You know, all the bullshit that if that was the only time people were hearing about it other than show gigs, you would have less interest in the product,
0: I think that's, that's I mean. my assessment. I'll agree with you I want to agree with you on that and uh you know obviously you know the other camp there's done you know road Diaries and stuff so I mean yeah. they definitely you know and you see how many views uh those get so people are kind of emotionally invested I think into it and he's you know they're they're definitely bringing in people from there and we are absolutely bringing in pe- uh, people from here I, I hear your name brought up you know what i mean at the shows we listen you know they listen to us and i love it man it's so sure the most exciting and most talked about show today is chris aiken for that if you like great interviews, real road stories and more, then Chris Aiken, Eric Ferrantinos, and their cast of characters have the show that you need to watch. Catch the show live on Monday nights at 8 p.m. Eastern at Chris Aiken. Bount- CMS TV, Wowza TV, Rumble, and X. There's always lunacy happening on Chris Aiken Presents.